Welcome back to another sci-fi episode. So we're going to continue to examine how we think, feel, and behave with money in part two of the book that I'm reviewing called The Talk About Money, written by Dale Alexander, a certified financial planner. So we ended the first part with talking about how uh, Dale gives the math and shows the math of how $36,000 can uh, a, a year can s- still make a child, by the time they're ready to retire, a millionaire at least five times over. So he presents that. But before we get there, let's talk just a little bit before we talk about me, 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 and what I get, what I get, what I get, going to be a millionaire, going to be raking it in. Before we talk about that, he talks about in chapter four, why we give money away. So remember, the 70% is on spending. So living expenses, your rent or mortgage, Hopefully at some point your adult child will be purchasing their first home. But the 20% is for savings and the 10% is for giving. Now, a lot of us have grown up with Dave Ramsey and it's more of an 80-20 where you save 10% and you give 10%. Now, times have changed. We don't necessarily have employers these days who are offering full pensions. A lot of it is on us to invest wisely, to contribute to our 401k plans, and to hopefully target employers that are contributing also or matching that contribution that we're making to that 401k. At some point, that's going to be part of our retirement plan. He says, let's not just focus on the end result of the money and just living life in a way where we're posturing ourselves to have everything that our heart desires. That's not what he's talking about. And I like how he smack dab in the middle. And let me say, the amount of reading material, and this was this had to be intentional. Really, this... It is only about 70 to 80 pages of reading. It's a very thin book. So he knows his audience. (laughs) These young adults who may not have the attention span to read a thicker book, which my husband, he started back when I was still a very young adult reading The Millionaire Next Door, which he does quote in his own book. That's a, that's a bit thicker, but thankfully he read the book for me and gave me the highlights. But this one is such an easy read and most of it are exercises and questions. So maybe I need to go back and correct myself that maybe it's truly only about 50 pages of reading. In each chapter, as I was, uh, as we were on vacation, it probably only took me about 10 minutes to read one chapter. So now I didn't spend a lot of time going over the questions like a young adult who the particular audience that he's intending to reach is going to do. But even so, it only took me about 10 minutes to actually read and digest the information that was provided. So here's, here's how he opens up chapter four. It's my money. Why would I give it away? 
And he quotes David Saylor's, the former Chick-fil-A marketing executive. And here's the first quote. A life can consist of two paths. A life built on creating value for or a life built on extracting value from, end quote. It is better to give than to receive. We're creating value in our lives by giving money away, whether it be a charity, whether it be your church, maybe it be a passion that you have or something that you're wanting to support. As I age and as I get older, I have a strong inkling to support lower income rural kids who are not getting the financial literacy they need to succeed. Because remember, that was me one day. I, way back in the day, I was one of those kids that lived in a very rural area, didn't have the financial underpinnings to succeed, the financial knowledge, nor the financial literacy to even understand what it meant to take out a cash advance on a credit card. So I have more of a passion now to give time and resources to help those communities to succeed because so much was given to me and so much was entrusted in me. And even the government entrusted me to do good things with their money. And so now I feel that I have to give back. So he states, hope is a great motivator. And he, he talks about people looking back at their own lives and their own paths. And yes, your young adult is capable of doing this. If I were to quote Steel Magnolias, she's too young to have a past. Our kids are not too young to have a past. We all have learned, no matter how old we are, we have all learned from something that can create something new and better for us. So let's give our young adults credit. I like this quote. He states, by most of society's or social media's standards, being successful and happy is usually defined as having any of the following things. Money, fame, talent, or pleasure. Here's the problem. When you measure success or happiness by society standards, you are always left with society's outcomes. End quote. And I love how he just goes on to say, if you are wanting a full life filled with not only extrinsic rewards, but intrinsic rewards as well, giving money away can help you do that. And he talks about how Hollywood being full of miserable, rich people. And listen, as a licensed professional counselor, in my days of private practice, I saw three celebrities. And I can vouch for that sentence. Hollywood is full of miserable, rich people. And what I would consistently hear, I just want to find happiness. So he outlines what happiness is not and what happiness is and how to examine their own value system to even understand 
what would provide that happiness. Another quote from him, what matters most in your life matters least to people that don't matter, end quote. He constantly is telling our kids, stop focusing on what other people think about you. Stop comparing yourselves to others. Stop following the peer pressure. If you want to make it financially, you can't follow everyone else who's going out wants to get that first real paycheck and go buy an expensive car that you can't afford, but you just wanted to live up to a social standard. Oh my goodness. Again, I'm just going to have to call him Uncle Dale. You know, we all have an Uncle Dale in our lives, hopefully, that is is able to point out, even if it's not financial truth, (laughs) some type of truth that stuck with us even today. And I actually, it wasn't an uncle for me, it was an aunt. And she, luckily, I had an aunt that, that taught me the value of boundaries. This aunt hired me to work in their sawmill, and she gave me a really good boundary. I told her I wanted the 4th of July off. I had a big day planned with my friends. She said she really needed me to work that day, and I didn't show up, and she fired me. That was the best thing she could have ever done. I remember my Aunt Nalda, y'all. She made life real. I was a young 16-year-old. She gave me a chance. She wanted to help me out, and I failed. But through my failure, she helped me to become successful because she taught me what happens in the world of work if you don't show up. (laughs) It was so good. So I don't have an Uncle Dale, but I do have an Aunt Nelda, and so I'm so thankful for her. And so, we again, we can use this book as parents that has another professional, another sound voice speaking into the lives of our young adults. Now he's moving into why we wouldn't do this before he gets to, ooh, this is how much money you can bring in. He says, why don't we do this? And he talks about the highlight reels in social media. That's what keeps us from doing good things with our money. He talks about stranger danger and how we don't have an adequate self-image of our true future self. He calls it the future self syndrome, where we're really not thinking about our frailty in later life and saving for ourselves in later life. And behavioral economics talk about that as well, or behavioral economists talk about that. Then he talks about, and this is my favorite one, he calls it out. He calls it the boring zone. So he said, you know what? You're young. You're going to think it's boring putting 20% away in savings and never touching that money for a very long time. And so he talks about statistics and, you know, how you could use statistics in your favor and how uh, you can start thinking of the boring zone as becoming exciting years later in your life. So then he talks, he gives advice on what to do with the 20%. And then finally now, and I wanted to make sure that I gave you this information in this episode, he provides a wonderful 
graph. Um, And in chapter 9, he talks about the eighth wonder of the world. And that is compound interest. And he has this wonderful graph for someone who's bringing in $36,000 a year. And he also has one for someone who's only bringing in $12,000 a year. And he, he breaks it out for folks. So if I'm putting in this amount of money, about $2,000 a year. So he's talking about if you save up front from age 22 to age 30, how that's better. He gives him a visual of how the opposite, if you waited until you were 30 to put $2,000 in a year, and then he, he says, save for nine years, and then you stop, you're young and smart. If you spend for eight years and then save 35 years, you're young and dumb. Um, so for these folks who started at a younger age of saving at 22, and even if they stopped at age 30 and left their money in there, they only had to save nine years to have $369,000 saved. But for those who waited and didn't start saving until they were 30, they had to save for 35 years to come to the same number. And then he said, save for 43 years, then you become the future boss. So if you don't stop when you're 30 of saving and how much money that would be, if, it, if you put away $2,000 a year, that'd be $711,000. So he gives these wonderful graphs in here. And he talks about you know, the stick-to-itiveness and how with your sticking to this graph is going to assist you in creating your future self and being in tune with that future self. So let me start with the actual $12,000. And so he's talking about age 23, which is generally when people start bringing in their first real paycheck. If they only made a $12,000 a year annual salary, taking into account an annual raise of 4%. So what that would look like by the age of 67, they're bringing in 67,400 a year, but they started on 12,000 a year. But even if that person isn't degreed and just continues to go up the ranks in a job, becomes a store manager. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. There are going to be children or young adults who don't want to go to college. And listen, this $12,000 a year could be because of their entrepreneurial spirit. And they're putting money away every month, just like anybody else with a salary. This chart goes to show that that same person, whether they're working as a store clerk and becoming a store manager later on in life, or they have an entrepreneurial spirit and they have their own business and they're still only bringing in $12,000 to start and they're inching, you know, with a 4% annual raise every year, uh, things kind of get a little bit better. They still, here's what the end goal looks like. If they put away 20% in savings, they will bring in 1000 excuse me let me start that over i sound like um uh dr evil 
in what is the name of that movie? Austin Powers. So if they save 20% until they're 67 years old, they started at 23, only bringing in 12,000 a year with a 4% increase annual raise every year. They will bring in, and again, I have my pinky to my mouth, $1,743,152. And they would have given over that lifetime $145,000. Isn't that amazing? So he starts with the $12,000 a year example to prove to parents, to prove to children. What you do with your money is more important than what kind of money you're bringing in. I can't stress that enough. I stress that in my classes. I've told people over and over again, I have clients who are single moms or are lower income earners that are doing great things with their money and have a higher net worth than a lot of these other high-income earners. It goes to show it's what you do with your money. And then, of course, he provides the $36,000 example as well, where if you're making $36,000 a year, with a 4% annual raise. And so he's not even saying, hey, you have to be promoted here and here and hope for life circumstances to be in your favor. He's not even talking about that. He's saying, hey, if you start with 36,000 and you have that normal 4% annual increase per year over time and with an average rate of return of 8%, you're saving until you're 67, that 20%. You will bring in, here's my pinky to my mouth again, $5,229,000. And you would have given $437,000. How wonderful. What a legacy. Whether you're bringing in the $36,000 a year or the $12,000 a year. Now, parents, we all want our children to make more than $36,000 a year, it would be nice. But listen, it's not as realistic as you would think. Bachelor's degrees are becoming a dime a dozen. But just like money, it's not what you've brought in. It's what you do with it. So these kids who have bachelor's degrees and are still working at Starbucks, that's on them. We also have to motivate our kids to do something with what they've gained. Learning those social skills and the confidence to network and seek out employment, that is a good thing. And listen, we have the Employment Readiness Program here at Redstone Arsenal. If you have a child who has a degree and they're still floundering, and they need a little help with their resume or interviewing skills or networking skills, that's what the Employment Readiness Program does. So I hope that this book review of the talk about money written by Dale Alexander has been beneficial for you. I hope you buy it yourself and read it before you present it to your young adult. 
And I really hope that it works in their favor. See you next time. Bye.